Hello, I'm Jason Rugard of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. Welcome to a special summer show. Every Friday, I'll be taking a look back to the summer of 1996. This was a box office season that was amongst the most competitive and influential in moviegoing history. On each show, I'll be chronicling the performance, critical response, and historical relevance of the biggest hits and the costliest misfires that shaped the summer of 1996. Episode 5, June 28th to the 30th, 1996. Our first film is The Nutty Professor. Let's get busy! On June 28th. I'm a big fan. Thank you very much. I'm flattered. Flattered. Think big. Think nutty. Ah! Your lip is swollen. Think nutty. Now that is very nasty. Eddie Murphy is... You looking for any kind of clothes in particular? Spandex. All spandex. The Nutty Professor. Somebody better call the exorcist. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Eddie Murphy cemented his status as one of the greatest screen comedians of all time with his 1996 comeback vehicle, The Nutty Professor. After appearing in a series of underwhelming films like Harlem Nights and The Distinguished Gentleman, and outright flops like Beverly Hills Cop 3 and Vampire in Brooklyn, Murphy was in career freefall. The Nutty Professor opened in the number one position on the weekend charts, with a massive $25.4 million, around $52 million today, and held steady throughout the summer months, ending its run with $128 million, or $270 million adjusted, placing fifth overall in the summer box office derby. The project's genesis comes from music producer Russell Simmons, who suggested to movie producer Brian Grazer the idea of remaking The Nutty Professor with a black lead. Grazer pursued director John Landis for the project, but ultimately the job would fall to Tom Scheidak, director of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. The film is not a strict remake of the Jerry Lewis film, as the writers have added story elements from Jekyll and Hyde and Cyrano de Bergenac. The picture has a series of scenes with Murphy and comedian Dave Chappelle, who plays insult comic Reggie Warrington, named after Reginald and Warrington Hudlin, brothers and directors of one of Murphy's previous films, Boomerang. Reportedly, Reginald Hudlin was stunned to see the obnoxious character was named after himself. This is even more confounding as of this recording in 2022, Hudlin and Murphy are scheduled to work together for a holiday film. The Nutty Professor was such an astounding success that Oprah sat down with Eddie for a full hour to discuss the comeback vehicle. Here's a clip. I was telling the audience I couldn't wait for you to be here because I've, I, can't, I can't stop laughing over this movie. We've seen this movie here. We've, I, my friends have seen this movie. We fall out of the chairs. We fall out of the chairs. It's falling out of the chairs. You know, it's the kind of laughing when you start, you just can't hold yourself and you need to like go see the movie again because everybody's laughing and you can't even hear what everybody's saying in the movie. It is just, I, you know, I have always admired you as a, as a comedian and as an entertainer, but you are so damn talented. Oh, thank you. Oh, so thank damn you. talented. 
Thank you. say uh i marvel at the how extraordinary it must be to be have have that inside yourself where'd that come from i don't Son? know yeah i just uh i guess it's from uh i don't know i started doing impressions of cartoons and stuff when i was a little kid so i always did voices and uh it just turned into this how <laughs> did it turned into this now everybody's been waiting for this movie to come out and when I say to my friends before they go to see the movie, I say, now you know Eddie plays all the characters at the dining room table. And he plays, Eddie plays his whole family. And I just said that to this woman here who just saw the movie, this whole audience just saw the movie. They couldn't hold themselves together. They was laughing so hard. Notable film critics Siskel and Ebert themselves couldn't help but be swayed by the comedic influence of Murphy and the good time they had. Here's their review. Believe it or not, that's Eddie Murphy starring there as a bashful professor named Sherman Klump who is head over heels in love with a beautiful grad student in that scene from The Nutty Professor. But he's so self-conscious about his weight that he almost lacks the courage to ask her out on a date. The date goes really wrong when a nightclub comic makes fun of him and in desperation, Sherman drinks a secret experimental potion from his laboratory. He also plays all of the adult members of the Klump family in this scene, which is the funniest one in the whole movie. Eddie Murphy's career has been in a slump, but with The Nutty Professor, the slump is over. This is a very funny movie that makes good use of Murphy's talent for disguising himself inside many different characters. Jada Pinkett is a good straight man for Murphy here, and she helps the sweeter side of Professor Klump as it emerges. The bottom line, Eddie Murphy is back. He is, and it is a spectacularly funny picture. Yes, it is. Um, it is really laugh. You know, the old mm -hmm. movie phrase that the publicist used to say, laugh riot? Uh -huh. This is one of those things. Yeah. It is that funny. And I'll tell you part of the secret. Eddie Murphy's been in a slump for a lot of reasons. He's been picking terrible scripts. He's also been playing, playing guys that aren't really that nice. Mm -hmm. The, the fat professor is yeah. a wonderful yes, guy. Yeah. You love him, mm -hmm. and you want him to be happy, and you feel his pain, mm -hmm. and you root for him. So there's a rooting interest, mm -hmm. which we used to have in the early days of Eddie Murphy, and now we have it again here. You know, there's even a little kind of a subtle moment in the movie where he apologizes for being Buddy Love, and he said, I thought that's what people wanted me right. to be, and I was wrong. Well, you think about it. Buddy Love isn't too different from some of the characters he that's played exact, in some of these other that movies. That is exactly and the point. And it's almost like he's it's telling a, us, hey, maybe I should get back to the Sherman Klump side of my personality. The nicer guy. That is yeah. absolutely... Now, uh -huh. think about that. I had the same insight, and I will tell you, to put that into a big, funny comedy mm -hmm. is wonderful screenwriting. Okay. I will say that Tom Shadyak is the director here. He made he, Ace Ventura. The first one. Yeah. This guy's hot, and so now, again, is Eddie Murphy. As per usual for the era, Nutty Professor was accompanied by a soundtrack full of the hottest hip-hop and R&B groups. The standouts on the album are Missing You by Case, but my personal favorite track from the soundtrack is the track titled Pillow from barrier rap legend Richie Rich. Here's a sample of the cut. When I wake up in the morning, 
first I yoke out, then I'm in search of a pill so I can smoke out. Good green, open up my third eye for sure as I contemplate. However, the truly outstanding and lasting influence of Nutty Professor is for the work by Rick Baker, who created the fat suits for Murphy. They were made from foam and a spandex suit and filled with pockets of liquid to make it believable. It took three hours every day to apply the makeup. And Baker praised Murphy, who spent 80 odd days in the makeup chair. Rick Baker was awarded the Oscar for his creations. Here's a clip from his Oscar night acceptance speech. Thank you. We'd like to thank the Academy, Universal, Imagine, Brian Grazier, Tom Shadiak, Jim Brubaker, Julio, John Landis. I'd like to thank my crew. Without their talent and hard work, David and I wouldn't be up here. A huge thanks to Eddie Murphy. He made seven rubber characters come to life. Yes, he was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> as well. <laughs> he made seven rubber characters come to life sat in the makeup chair for over 70 days and he never once complained. He's the most talented and cooperative actor I've ever worked with. I recall seeing The Nutty Professor in a full screening on a hot June night. The laughter was so uproarious during the Clumps dinner sequence that you literally couldn't hear the next lines of dialogue. I've only experienced this two other times in my movie-going life. The others were during Dumb and Dumber, and there's something about Mary. Nutty Professor is the true definition of a massive crowd pleaser. The kind of movie you tell your friends about, and then go back to see just to watch them laugh. The cast is made up of Murphy, playing eight roles, Jada Pinkett Smith, Larry Miller, Hank Azaria, and the aforementioned Dave Chappelle. The blockbuster opening of The Nutty Professor re-established Eddie Murphy as one of the biggest movie stars in the world and gained him a family audience that he would cater to throughout the rest of his film career. Our next film is Striptease. What would you do to save your child? My ex-husband is a thief. That hardly qualifies him to raise a seven-year-old child. How far would you go? He offered you two grand to dance for one hour. And if she found out... Pumpkin, have you ever seen me dance? What would you tell her? You looked really pretty. No, I didn't. Hey, you looked great. Striptease, rated R, enters now. Demi Moore received a $12 million payday, making her the highest paid actress in the history of the media for her services in the comedic crime thriller, Striptease. The months of pre-release hype and the buzz about Moore's newly ripped physique piqued the public's interest in the months leading up to the weekend of June 28, 1996. Would this massive media blitz translate into tickets purchased at the box office? Or would people be turned off by the starlet's ubiquitous presence on night shows and magazine covers? It turned out to be a bit of both. Striptease opened in the fourth spot at the weekend box office, behind frontrunner The Nutty Professor and Holdover's Eraser and The Hunchback of Notre Dame, respectively. It grossed $12.3 million, around $25 million today, barely covering the cost of its leading lady's salary. 
it legged out to a final domestic gross of $33 million, or around $70 million adjusted. The film was somewhat bailed out of being categorized as a financial disaster for Columbia Pictures by a surprisingly strong international gross. Its worldwide takings totaled out at $113 million, or around $235 million adjusted, which is a respectable number for a lightweight summertime sexy murder mystery. But the film had a wildly outrageous production budget of $50 million, that's $100 million today. Striptease spent three weeks in the top 10 before quickly slipping out of theaters and landing on home video, where a large number of its audience first discovered it. My first <clears throat> exposure to the flick was on pay-per-view. My old man worked with a guy who sold the infamous black box, a rigged cable box that unscrambled the pay channels. So, when my 17-year-old eyes saw Demi Moore doing a provocative dance, I knew I was going to like the movie. How bad could it be? It had to be better than Showgirls. And it is, in every area. But it is also much different tonally. Striptease was sold on sex and voyeurism, but it's actually a goofy, scattered comedy with a great supporting cast, including Burt Reynolds, Ving Rhames, Robert Patrick, and Armand Asante. I think this bait-and-switch turned audiences off. Most people attended opening night thinking they were going to get a tawdry, forbidden experience. Instead, they got a mishmash of family drama, cop procedural, and comedic sidekicks. I'm Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Our first movie is Striptease, starring Demi Moore as a brave mother who works as a stripper to raise money to win a custody fight for her daughter. And right there you've got the problem. Her character is seen as courageous and admirable, but the movie is a comedy and a satire, and all of the other characters are funny, but not Demi. The movie is based on a very funny novel by Carl Hyacin, who aimed the same satirical attitude at all of his characters. He spared nobody, and Burt Reynolds rises to the occasion with a very funny performance as a congressman who was addicted to booze, sex, and making a fool out of himself. My guess is that everybody laughed at the original Carl Hyacin novel, and then they started rewriting it a little to make the Demi Moore character more positive, and that was not a good idea because her character should be just as much the target of humor as everybody else in the movie, and they made her into sort of a plucky heroine of the sort that Sally Field plays. This confuses the tone in a lot of scenes where you have some actors going for laughs and the heroine playing it too straight. Thumbs down from me for a striptease. Way down from me. I mean, the writing is awful. I didn't read the book, so I didn't have that insight. It's a great book. I well, love the book. Well, uh, I, I can appreciate the, the criticism you're giving because that now makes sense. Mm -hmm. Her character is deadly boring. Let's face it, as constructed, the only reason to look at this picture is to see her body. She's continuing a progression in which I don't know what's next for her. If you think about it, you know, Demi you know, has a baby on camera. I mean, that's about it, where she seems to be headed. But I'm criticizing it on the level because that's what everybody's thinking about when they watch this picture. It is a study in her body. Burt Reynolds, I can admire the attempt at self-parody at some level, uh -huh. but he actually is ripping off what Charles Durning did a whole lot better in Reynolds' picture called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Well, I like Burt Reynolds in the movie, and I like most everybody else in the movie, too, but I did feel oh. that it should be a raucous laugh yeah. riot. It's right. a comedy. The whole notion it's not of perfect, a yeah. It's not a remake. It's of... a scarlet letter almost in the same way. You know, You're right. It's just what she's doing. Ridiculous. Okay. Striptease and the following year's G.I. Jane 
represented the apex of Demi Moore's power as a box office draw. Her star began to wane and she lost her appeal to audiences before taking a break from acting. She made a brief comeback in 2003's Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, but that didn't pan out to be her ticket back to the top. Demi Moore is an absolute 1990s icon. And people tend to forget that she has real acting chops. Yeah, she was overexposed during the era, but she was also a trailblazer. Julia Roberts would become the first female to get 20 million a picture, a figure that matched the going rate for male talent like Cruz, Carrie, and Hanks. I revisited the film in preparation for this, and no, not because Moore is one of the most beautiful women to ever grace the screen, and especially not because her physique is an absolute marvel, and most assuredly not because the dance scenes are sexier and have better choreography than the comparable scenes in Showgirls. I did it for you guys, my considerable audience. I gotta tell you, the movie played the same for me. She's great, but the character's not likable. And she's trapped in a story that would be more interesting if it had focused on any other character besides Moore. Striptease would ultimately be nominated for six Razzie Awards, winning the unfavorable title of Worst Film of the Year. This is especially harsh. Striptease was a large target, and its failure marked a downturn in Moore's popularity. But as a piece of 1990s kitsch, it's still surprisingly watchable, if not memorable.